What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts for today, Simon Voyanos, a.k.a. Coach V. I'm another one of your co-hosts for today, Cody Stopper. And I am your last co-host, Mason Austin. And today on this episode, we are hitting you with these 1A end of the year awards. This is for the this is for the 2021 season, um, Colorado high school football. Y'all know what it is. First off, just want to shout out everyone who voted on our polls. And speaking of those, let me go ahead and talk about this process here. So in total, there are five votes. There are also four different awards. So I'm just going to go ahead and say those real quick. Offensive Playmaker of the Year, Defensive Playmaker of the Year. Both of those should be, I don't, I shouldn't have to explain what that is. Then we have our most valuable Playmaker candidates. And so that's basically MVP right there. And then our Newcomer of the Year award goes to Outstanding Freshman who started on varsity, had great performances, and did their thing there. And so each one of us here, us three, your co-hosts, each have one vote to give for these um, awards here. And there's four finalists for each award. So there you go. Uh, We each have one vote. Then you, the fans, we're basically going to go majority rules. Whoever y'all voted for and got the majority of those votes will count as the fan vote. And so that's the fourth vote. And then our guy, Anthony Garcia from Mile High Prep. Quick shout out to him. He went ahead and voted to make it an odd five right here. And if you want to check out who he voted for, slash, <clears throat> well, I don't know if he posted his reasons, but if you just want to see who he voted for, I mean, we'll be talking about that as well on here. Um, but you could go to Mile High Prep Report and check that out. He'll be voting for two-way as well. And so you could go ahead and check out those two-A um, end-of-the-year awards that he put out. I mean, he just voted the same way, basically. Uh, so that's how that will go here. And so with that being said, you know, we're going to go ahead and hop into our offensive Playmaker of the Year candidates, finalists. We're going to talk about all of them first. Um, and then we'll go from there. And so, Cody, do you want to talk about North Fork wide receiver Blaine Peebles? Talk about why he's on this list and uh, talk about his stats as well. Yeah, sure thing. So Blaine Peebles, you know, he was uh, really popular amongst the fans, as you'll find out here in a second, those exact numbers. Blaine Peebles out of North Fork. You got it right, Simon, that wide receiver. He tore it up on the field this year. I believe that he even made the first team All-State list for 1a which you know stay tuned for a reaction episode to those all state lists coming out sometime but anyways back to blaine peoples here this north fork team had a very solid season and he was a huge part of that you know i mean he was just an offensive weapon in general you know we say wide receiver but to be more accurate he's just an overall athlete is what anybody would say about blaine here you know on the year He had 744 receiving yards on 30 catches, and then he had um, seven receiving touchdowns, as well as 41 carries for 452 yards and five rushing touchdowns. So, you know, combining all those stats together, he had nearly 1,200 yards of scrimmage, as well as 12 total touchdowns. So, you know, that was massive for them this year, where I believe they made it to the quarterfinals is where their final game was. So, um, you know, they and they even won a couple of playoff games as well. 
no, against uh, Wiggins. Yeah, it was the quarterfinals where they faced off against Lyman. But overall, you know, this North Fork team, you're going to hear some more guys from this team. And it's because they, they had an eight and three season. It was a good season for them. And um, yeah, Blaine Peebles was just a dog for this team. And, you know, kind of their go-to guy whenever they needed a big play on the offensive side of the ball. They were able to do basically whatever well, whatever they asked of him, he was capable of doing, is what I should say. And, yeah, you know, additionally, you know, he was kind of good on uh, defense. But on the offensive side of the ball, for Opoi, Offensive Playmaker of the Year, that's what we're talking about. And also, last but not least, he contributed on special teams, which you know, is a different facet of the ball, but helps the offense's life a lot more with his nearly 500 yards of return. There you go. Thank you, Cody. And uh, with that being said, I'll talk about one of the other finalists here real quick. And that's Wiggins quarterback Cole Kerr. He is a name that you should be probably it's a name you should probably be familiar with uh, just because he has won Playmaker of the Week multiple times, including the very first time uh, we uh, had that Playmaker of the Week award here. Was also a borderline MVP candidate. I'm just going to throw that out there as well. On the year, though, 2,120 passing yards. That led 1A with a 59.9% completion rate. 27 passing touchdowns, uh, 12 interceptions. Those 27 touchdowns also led 1A, I want to say. Then also had 131 carries for 1,129 rushing yards, 15 rushing touchdowns. I believe he is one of maybe a handful of quarterbacks in the state that have 2,000 passing yards and 1,000 rushing yards plus double digit touchdowns for both passing and rushing um it might be three or four guys in the state that have done that and so on the 1a level for him to do that it should be obvious why he is in the offensive offensive playmaker of the year um you know award running here so there you go now mason do you want to talk about one of the Lyman running backs that made uh, this uh, list here, and I'll talk about the other one right after. Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and talk about the Lyman, Lyman running back, Jeremiah Lieber. He had 194 carries, 1,790 rushing yards, and 17 rushing TDs. Uh, his total touchdowns for the year was 17, so it was all rushing, and he definitely got it done for that Lyman's rushing attack. Um, I'm going to go ahead and leave it there. If you want to go ahead and talk about this other lineman running back, Simon. Yeah. And by the way, he's he's a senior. So he was kind of the lead guy there after Corey Taha left. And, you know, this other guy, he was in the same role that Leeper played behind Taha last year. And that is junior running back Gabe Shubarth. On the year, he had 117 carries, so about 80 carries less than Leaper, but still had 1,231 rushing yards and 25 rushing touchdowns, which did lead this Lyman team. Also had a reception for a receiving touchdown. I'm just going to throw that in there. And, you know, on the backs of both of these players, this Lyman team was able to go to their fourth straight state championship. And in that game, you know, they did keep them in there even when their star quarterback, Trey Hines, got hurt. And so that's important to keep in mind. They've been killing it all year, just putting up numbers. And so both of them deservingly are in this running here. But with that being said, you know, let's go ahead and talk about who voted for what 
I am actually going to go ahead and talk about who Anthony Garcia of Mile High Prep Report talked about, or um, sorry, picked for Offensive Playmaker of the Year, and that is Jeremiah Leeper from Lyman. I mean, it should be obvious he helped get them to state and was kind of their uh, bell cow all season. And so there you go there. That's one vote for Jeremiah Leeper out of Lyman. Cody, do you want to talk about the fan vote? Which, by the way, 205 total people voted on this poll there. And so if you really want to figure out you know, how many votes specifically each person got, you could do the math there. But just keep in mind, 205 people voted um, totally in total for this one. But uh, go ahead, Which Cody. Which is substantial, I might add, yes, uh, for, for the 1A level. So, you know, uh, thank you all for participating in those polls. Once again, I know Simon already thanked y'all, but wanted to thank you one more time. But the fan offensive playmaker of the year goes to Blaine Peebles. He won 43% of the vote, which beat out Cole Kerr at 32%, which is surprising because this tweet was retweeted by a Denver Bronco for Cole Kerr. And then Jeremiah Lieber got 21% and Gabe Schubarth got 4% of the fan vote. So congratulations to Blaine Peoples for winning the fan vote Offensive Playmaker of the Year. And, you know, that's that's what happens when you can literally do it all for a team like North Fork, who is able to go so far in the playoffs and you know, kind of give North Fork a dimension, you know, in the passing game that not a lot of 1A teams really get to do. You know, think there's not a ton of receivers on the 1A level that, you know, really tear up the field and put up these kind of numbers. And Blaine Peoples did that, you know, catching the ball as well as, you know, just being an overall gadget and kind of showing the uh, 1A level of football here in Colorado that kind of trend that's happening across other levels of football where just overall athletes ball out. So uh, congratulations to Blaine there. So that makes the score, the tally of Jeremiah Leeper with one, which mad respect to Leeper and everything he did. Seeing him live in that playoff game, he's legit. Uh, in that championship game, I should say, he's legit and was a huge part of them remaining in that game, both offensively and defensively. But anyways... You guys mind if I talk about my vote for Offensive Playmaker of the Year, or should I pass it to Mason, who hasn't had a chance to chime in yet? Well, for me, I picked Cole Kerr from Wiggins. I think, personally, he just had a very dominant season, and watching him was kind of a pleasure all year. So, um, I, I guess that's kind of where I'm at with that. And then, you know, he won Playmaker of the Week a couple times, and he definitely deserves this, in my opinion. Uh, Cody, uh, go ahead and tell us who you voted for. Well, in the uh, the words of the Supremes, I second that emotion, Mason, that uh, Cole Kerr is deserving of Offensive Playmaker of the Year. He is my vote for Offensive Playmaker of the Year. And I just think... I mean, I got to see him live, you know, so I saw that he did everything he could for this Wiggins team. They used him in a variety of ways. He was, you know, in a in a way, their bell cow as far as, you know, being, which is weird to say about a quarterback, but the offense ran through him. He had a lot of autonomy in this offense. He had a lot of control of this offense. They kind of handed him the keys and gave him the resources to succeed. And, you know, he did not disappoint. I mean, Wiggins, they're a team that's definitely in contention next year. 
for, you know, state at the 1A level. And a huge part of that is because Cole Kerr as a junior did so well this year and he will be coming back. And, you know, he he had his ups and downs throughout the year. But, I mean, he was a part of one of the first leads against Lyman in like nearly two years during their regular season game against Lyman. And, you know, he fought hard against that really tough North Fork defense and just came up a little short. But, you know, I think that he's just a dynamic athlete and he's got an incredible arm. And I mean, goodness, great. I mean, you want to talk about scoring, which is what offense is all about, right? This dude had 42 touchdowns. He was one of the leaders in all of Colorado football for touchdowns with his 27 passing and his 15 rushing. So if you're talking about offensive playmakers, well, they score touchdowns, and that's exactly what Cole Kerr did all season long and uh, was integral to Wiggins' success. Go Tigers! And with that being said, I'll go ahead and talk about my vote here and the winning vote here. And I'm going to go ahead and vote for Colker, the Wiggins quarterback, the junior Wiggins quarterback. Um, let me let me talk about my my process, though, real quick here, because I definitely had Jeremiah Leeper right behind him. He was somebody that, you know, I really liked seeing him at state and he did his thing. We're going to talk about him. We're going to talk about him probably on some sort of talk list or something in the future here do a breakdown because he is exceptional but i think i'm gonna have to give it to cole kerr you know i mean i i look at this wiggins team and they did a lot of things this season that they weren't able to accomplish last season and it's because cole kerr definitely took a step forward and so i'm gonna go ahead and talk about his signature games here uh, i got two that really kind of locked up this award for him but basically that first game against highland the year before they got blown out by highland this year, they went ahead and uh, took care of business. First game of the season. And that's not an easy game. Um, first game of the season, especially knowing that, you know, they just put a whooping on you the season before in the last game of the season. But in that game, he won 14 of 22, 225 passing yards, four passing touchdowns on 15 carries. He had 115 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown. Winning playmaker of the week that week as well. Like I said, the first week um, that any or i guess the first time any 1a player one playmaker of the week because that's when we got that started and then down the line here he continued to play well against a, a pretty good or at least a well-coached flat irons academy team he won 11 of 16 for 315 passing yards four passing touchdowns did throw one interception but he also had 14 carries for 161 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns throwing for 300 running for 150 I, I don't know what else you could do, what else more you could do there, but he's definitely played his heart out this season. And so I'm happy to go ahead and give him this Offensive Playmaker of the Year award. I think he was one of the most electrifying players in 1A in Colorado football period. I mean, you could go ahead and look at the stats from everyone else that played this year. You're not going to find many guys that went 300, three t passing touchdowns, 150, and a rushing touchdown. You're just not, you know, because a lot of quarterbacks probably aren't capable of that either. But Cole Kerr is definitely one of those dudes that, you know, he's coming back next year. And there's going to be a reason why Wiggins is going to be dangerous uh, next year in a field where, you know, 1A is going to be pretty wide open. And so 
Um, I have no problem voting for Cole Kerr here. Obviously, all of us have voted for him. Dalton Risner from the Broncos. Reisner, sorry, from the Broncos. He voted for him as well. Obviously, he's a Wiggins guy, so that's why he did that. And so there you go. Your 2021 1A Offensive Playmaker of the Year goes to Junior Wiggins quarterback Cole Kerr. Congrats, bud. So, yeah, there you go. I mean, and, how often does a quarterback get to throw for over 2,000 yards and rush for over 1,100 yards? Not often, it's, especially it's, in 1A. It's unheard of, and it's not like, you know, it, his attempts weren't that high. He averaged almost 10 yards a carry. I Well, I guess I should say almost 9 yards a carry, but still, he was just exceptional. And the fact that he has one more year, got to be on the lookout. Got to be on the lookout. Yeah, he's probably on our MVP radar for next year already. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, with with some other guys as well. And so there you go. There, Cole Kerr wins uh, because us three voted for him. So um, there you go. There, but three votes to Cole Kerr, one to Jay Leaper, uh, Jeremiah Leaper, and then one to Blaine Peebles. So there you go. Um, we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break. But coming up next, we'll talk about Defensive Playmaker of the Year. Hi, all Welcome back to the Playmaker's Corner podcast. Joined here by my co-hosts, Mason Austin and Simon Villanos, a.k.a. Coach V. And we are talking on this segment, Defensive Playmaker of the Year. We love these end-of-the-year awards. We appreciate all the fan participation on the Twitter polls. And, you know, I can't wait to talk about these guys here because they were all exceptional. This process was grueling to come up with some defensive playmaker of the year candidates on the 1A level because there are a lot of very physical, hard-hitting studs on this level. So, you know, 1A football, there are a lot of grinded out, a lot of running between the tackles. So who stops the running between the tackles? is the question. And so one of the guys here that I'm going to talk about is out of Highland High School defensive end Caleb Polk. He had 73 total tackles on the year, 17 and a half of those being for loss, 11 sacks, 13 hurries, three forced fumbles, and three fumble recoveries. He was a do-it-all kind of defensive end at, you know, and he's not incredibly big. He's 5'10", 180 pounds, but boy, is he quick and does he have some moves, you know, and a lot of these guys, they play offense and defense. So for him to still succeed at such a high level, you know, with the workload that he was looking at is just phenomenal, honestly. Like he was also a running back as well as a returner for this Highland team. So that's a huge testament to just how good of an athlete he was for you know, for this Highland team. And so, you know, he was someone who had my vote here. And so, you know, he was a part of a very solid Highland defense. You know, they had, um, you know, they held another playoff team, Bennett, to just six points. They held Platte Canyon, who's, you know, a competitive program on this 1A level. And what probably should have been a playoff team, two six points and a huge win as well as you know holding some high-flying offenses like uh estes park to you know just 28 points and getting a win above those guys and you know he he sacked a plethora of quarterbacks this year and helped a lot of these teams you know helped 
I should say, Highland stay competitive against some of the top teams in the state, like a Yuma, like a Strasburg. This team is not going to be the same without the senior DN slash edge linebacker, Caleb Polk. So that's that's Highlands, Caleb Polk, everyone, one of our candidates for Defensive Playmaker of the Year. Simon, would you like to take us to a guy that I kind of, or a guy who plays for a team that I somewhat mentioned here, and how important he was to uh, that defense. Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and talk about this senior here. Uh, Payton's defensive tackle slash linebacker, Zach Cobb, on the year had 123 total tackles. Pretty sure that led 1A, if I wasn't mistaken there, in tackles. Had 15 tackles for losses, 2.5 sacks, uh, forced three fumbles, also recovered three fumbles, and then three pass deflections. This kid was a beast. Um, Sadly, Peyton was basically kind of in a rebuilding year. This wasn't maybe the strongest squad, at least comparatively in past years from like 2017, 2018, 2016, you know. Um, But he was a big part of that defense and he did his thing as you could see with the stats here you know i'm gonna talk about some signature games here real quick against colorado springs christian i mean first off they absolutely um probably could have won this game here they only lost six to 12 but in that game he had 27 total tackles two tackles for losses and a forced fumble but later down the line Peyton did have to play Banning Lewis Academy and not only would this be for the Santa Fe title um, but or the Santa Fe League title but it would also be for a spot in the playoffs so if they win they're in and I was actually in this game or not in this game I was at this game over in Falcon um, where this game took place between these two teams that are uh, relatively close to each other kind of in that falcon area and you know he went crazy had a very good game against a pretty solid banning lewis academy team that is on the come up here Um, but he had 17 total tackles uh seven tackles for losses one sack and also a pretty big forced fumble that will kind of um Turn the tides of that game pretty much for Peyton and help them continue to dominate here as they go ahead and took care of Banning Lewis Academy 24 to 13. Would play Del Norte the next week, destroy them 49 to 0. But unfortunately, they would pull a Centauri, who would be your state champs, and lose to them 6 to 45. Did have 10 tackles in that game. Plus, I'm pretty sure he had a fumble recovery against Centauri. And so there you go. That is Zach Cobb, your tackle leader on the 1A level. But I'm going to go ahead and pass it back to Cody to talk about um, another Wiggins guy that is on our award finalist list. Yeah, so this guy I actually also got to see live because, you know, I went to a Wiggins game where I also saw Cole Curtis. And he was integral to the game that I saw. But that is going to be defensive lineman Pepper Rusher, who was a dog this year. At a D-line position, nonetheless, he had 108 tackles. It did not list how many for loss, but I'm sure he was hovering around that 15 to 20, maybe even 22-ish mark. Because he was constantly in the backfield against the Yuma team that I saw on that very uh, breezy Friday night. And boy, what a great atmosphere out there in Wiggins, by the way. And so anyways, back to talking about Pepper Rusher. 
you know, he was uh, a huge piece of this Wiggins defense. And, you know, that's that's why he's here, isn't it? And so, you know, for this Wiggins team, specifically in the game that I saw, he had the game-winning blocked field goal. So, you know, it was a high-stress game. Scored, or lead changes were happening constantly. It was a huge battle. There were lots of turnovers on both sides, lots of pressure. And I mean, Pepper Russia was going against one of the better rushing attacks on the 1A level against a guy like Clay Robinson, you know, the, the track star out there in that Yuma backfield who ran crazy this year and a name that you will potentially hear later in this episode. But anyways, you know, he had a tough, tough game to match up against as well as you hear Trejo who runs the ball out of that backfield. Very tough. And, you know, I, I'd say that when the game mattered most, he stepped up and he got that game winning blocked for, you know, Yuma to win 30 to 28. I'd say that is probably his signature game of this season and maybe even of his career. And yeah, he's just a force in the middle. He has very strong arms and he fires off the ball pretty quick, honestly. And yeah, I, I was a huge fan of him when I watched him at that game. And yeah, he's just a very high impact player on a very critical defense. So, oh, and in addition, he also had 10 sacks on the year. So he's not somebody who just does well in the run game. He can also pass rush too. And that's just something that you don't really see out of these interior defensive linemen. And so I had to put some respect on that. But uh, that's Pepper Rusher. Mason, talk to us about another North Fork player, actually, and what that squad looked like with him on the field. Yeah, so I'm going to talk about their defensive end, Colson Holenbeek. He had 96 total tackles. 26 tackles for loss, which is pretty insane. It just shows how much he actually gets in the backfield. 14 sacks, two forced fumbles, and three fumble recoveries. This North Fork defense, you know, definitely got it done for this whole year. But looking at their schedule, they threw up a couple different, you know, you know, goose eggs on the board against Monte Vista and Olith. I'm sorry if I'm butchering that. Um, but, you know, they also held up this Buena Vista team to only 28 points. Uh, Meeker to 30. They held up uh, Roaring Fork to 6. Gunnison to 6. Uh, Wiggins to 25. Ultimately losing in playoffs to linemen. Uh, you know, they went to state and they were the runner-up. Uh, 46-19. But this defense definitely got it done all season long. And this guy was no slouch on that level and if you guys don't mind i think i'm going to go ahead and talk about the fan vote here if that is all right with you guys go for it well the fan vote uh picked uh colson holenbeek as their guy with 46 percent of the votes and simon how many votes were on this one on this one there was 177 total votes on defensive playmaker of the year so he got 46 percent of 176 or 77 sorry so yeah that is definitely um a huge number of votes like a huge percentage and he definitely deserves it it's shown uh do you guys want me to go ahead and talk about anthony's pick and then mine after that as well yeah go for it 
Okay, well, I'm going to say Anthony went ahead and picked uh, Holenbeek as well to pick this. And, you know, as we said, you know, all his picks are on, uh, is it the Mile High? Prep report? Which, which, the Prep Report? Yeah, it's all yeah, his stuff is on there. Uh, all of his picks are right there. But I'm actually going to pick Pepper Rusher because I think he got it done all year for this team. Um, shout out to the Denver Bronco, uh, Dalton Reisner for also shouting out this kid, but you know, I've watched his film and I think he is one dominant defensive lineman with 108 total tackles and 10 sacks. He definitely got it done. And I think he was a huge impact player for them. I'm going to go ahead and pass it over to you, Simon. Who do you think deserves this, uh, title? By the way, Pepper Rusher had 42% of the fan vote, so it was really close between Pepper Rusher and Colson Holenbeek, so just keep that in mind. But, you know, I think I'm just going to go in a different direction here, and I'm going to go ahead and give it or give my vote to Payton linebacker slash defensive lineman Zach Cobb. Um, my thought process here, I saw him live. That obviously, you know, affects how I vote. You know, but he he was a beast all season. You know, he led this team in tackles and the, you know, 1A level in tackles as well. Just killing it game after game. You know, he was always flying all over the field, um, just causing a lot of trouble here. And this Payton team really revolved around this linebacker, if I'm being completely honest with you, um, and how tough he is and how that kind of just translated to everyone else. And so I'm going to have to give my vote to Zach Cobb here from Payton. Cody, do you want to talk about your vote here? Yeah, I'm going to actually continue the pattern of uh, voting for people who you've seen more often, uh, IRL, and my vote is going to go to the D-tackle Pepper Rusher. I think that, you know, his stats don't even tell the whole story of just how impactful he is to this Wiggins defense. And, you know, I think that He's going to be even better, bigger, and stronger this next year. And that's terrifying to see. And not to mention, I think that Pepper Rusher here, he's a smart football player too. You know, he does a good job of knowing kind of what the play is before the play even happens. And, you know, he's, even when he doesn't, he's, his reactions are spot on and he's able to beat almost anything that you throw at him, you know, and he beat uh, an occasional double team or two when I saw him. And it's a guy that you need to throw a double team at, or he's going to wreck your game plan. So, you know, I'm going to have to go with pepper rusher here. And, you know, that puts us at a weird spot here where the fans and Anthony Garcia have two votes for the defensive end, Colson Holmbeek and respect to all these guys, by the way, for making it on our list. Like, Being a part of this top four for any of these votes is a very high honor and one that we did not take lightly as far as making decisions and tough cuts. So congratulations to all these boys for making this list. But Colson Holombeek at two, Pepper Rusher with two votes as well, and Zach Cobb with one vote. And so, Simon, I hate to, you know, chop off your vote like this because, you know, Zach Cobb is is a great ball player. But with uh, Holmbeek and Rusher being tied to a piece, I think that leaves you to be the tiebreaker between the two. So, Simon, will you please name our defensive playmaker of 2021? Okay, with this being said, I did not know how Cody or Mason was going to vote leading up to this recording. And I think that's just, 
mostly how we're going to do this for every award show. And so this is definitely on the spot. But I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and pick Pepper Rusher to be our defensive playmaker of the year from Wiggins, Colorado. Uh, look, here's 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 where I'm coming from. Obviously, I voted for Zach Cobb, so this is definitely my second vote here. But I'm picking Pepper Rusher just because I looked at his film, looked at Holenbeek's film. No disrespect to him, uh, to Holenbeek, because he did have 26 tackle for losses, which is Pretty good, you know, coming from the defensive end position, but I like Peppers. Uh, I just liked his film a lot better, to be honest with you, coming off that edge and just doing his thing. I think also that blocked kick in that game against Yuma had uh, a lot to do with my decision. And like I said, it's on the spot, you know, but I feel like this is as honest as it could get. I really like Pepper Rusher's film, and I'm uh, looking forward to more from him. So, uh, so yeah, there you go. But our 2021 1A Defensive Playmaker of the Year goes to Wiggins, defensive tackle slash linebacker, Pepper Rusher. So, yeah. That was crazy, but... With that being said, decided right here, decided right <laughs> here on the spot. Yeah, I like. So. I, okay, I'm not even gonna lie. I thought about it like before we started recording the segment. I was like, uh, I think Holenbeek might have my vote, and then uh, I don't know. I just thought about the film, and I'm like, but I like Pepper's film just a lot better. So I'm a I'm a go with that. Not a lot better. I liked it better. Um, not by a lot, but you know, just a good amount. So there you go. There, but yeah, decided here. And um, I'm sure this won't be the last time it happens, uh, but if it is, that'll be pretty wild since it is our first end of the year awards. With that being said, is there anything uh, any of you want to say here about our defensive playmaker of the year before we move on? Congratulations. I believed in you the whole time. I didn't need to wait until the last second like Simon. Well... Mine is from the heart, so that's how you know it's real. But anyways, uh, but, coming up next, but, we're going to talk about... <laughs> coming up next, we're going to talk about uh, newcomer of the year candidates. So this goes to our best freshman um, in 1A. So yeah, coming up next. No Welcome back, and you're listening to the end of the year 1A awards for the Playmakers Corner podcast. Uh, we are going to be talking about the newcomer of the year award, which is a freshman that made an impact on the varsity squad. I'm going to go ahead and talk about this guy, Clay Crawford. Um, you know, he played for Meeker High School. He had 110 rushing yards off of 20 carries, two rushing touchdowns, three total. He had 20 uh carries he averaged 12.2 yards per game he had 110 rushing yards over the entirety of the season he had nine uh games played two solo tackles four assisted tackles but on special teams he did go ahead and have 156 yards um i that's basically all like the stats say for this guy and i definitely think that you know he put an impact for, you know, this meeker team. I'm going to go ahead and pass it off to Cody to talk about one of our other newcomers of the year. Yeah, for sure. So the next guy that I'm going to talk about here, he played for a program that struggled a little bit this year, 
out there at Cedar Ridge. You know, they, they had a tough, tough year uh, out in that western slope, you know, facing off against, you know, Clay Crawford's Meeker, as well as, you know, Colson Holmbeek's and Blaine Peebles' uh, North Fork. And so, but he gives this Cedar Ridge program a lot of hope and promise for the future, I think. And that is Brady Cooper, the running back, or my bad, the receiver slash cornerback out there at Cedar Ridge. As a receiver, he caught for 239 yards. But I think the really impressive thing is on 22 receptions, he had six touchdown catches. So over 25% of the time when he caught the ball, it was a score. And one of the more notable games here is against a very stout North Fork team. You know, they overall as a team, Cedar Ridge struggled in this game. But in that game, he had nine receptions for 91 yards and a score. And I really think that that is you know, his coming out party because, you know, in previous weeks against, you know, Meeker and Gunnison, he did struggle to find receptions, not so much the end zone having scored in, you know, five of the eight games that he played this year, which is crazy for a freshman, honestly. But, you know, I think that this North Fork game is something that we should expect from him in the coming years as he continues to move up in his classes. And then he ended the season against Roaring Fork with a 34-0 dub, catching three passes for 39 yards and two touchdowns in that game. So, you know, he, he balled out there. And I also want to talk about defensively just how much of a stud he was. He had 37 tackles at the corner position, which I think is crazy to think about. And, you know, his biggest game there is against Gunnison. He had a tackle for loss. And against Monte Vista, he had 10 total tackles. So, you know, in games where the other team had the ball a lot longer than, you know, the Cedar Ridge team did on offense and where he didn't really make as much of an impact on the offensive side of the ball, he made up for it by getting plenty of tackles on the defensive side of the ball. So huge shout out to him for him still finding ways to impact games. And then on the season, you know, he had five pass deflections, including, you know, two against Cole Ridge. And I think that, you know, that was in a win as well. And he was even more so a part of the winning formula in this Roaring Fork game. You know, being honestly a contender for even 1A player of the week, you could say, in that Roaring Fork game, having caught two touchdowns on the offensive side of the ball and having caught two interceptions on the defensive side of the ball and, you know, even taking one of those to the house. So in that 34 to nothing win over Roaring Fork, my guy had 18 points by himself which is nuts to think about and scary for teams in 1A as he's going to continue to grow and get better and get faster and get stronger. And that is Brady Cooper out of Cedar Ridge High School. Absolute stud. Oh, I guess I should toss it to Simon. I guess I should toss it to Simon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm throw it to Simon to talk about another uh, freshman who made a huge impact this year for his team. Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and talk about freshman quarterback Noah Martin from Payton High School. Um, didn't exactly get consistent snaps throughout the entire year, but near the end of this year, specifically in the month of October, he really did his thing and stepped up here as the freshman quarterback. Now, he's very young and whatnot, and so he has a lot of time to improve here, but he did get this team to the playoffs by doing his thing. And so, on the year, 
Yeah, 391 passing yards, three passing touchdowns. Did throw seven picks, but I'm going to go ahead and talk about that in depth just a little bit more because, like I said, he didn't have consistent snaps. This is mostly from uh, October, and, you know, Peyton's not really a passing team like that, at least not right now, and so just keep that in mind. But the two biggest games that he had was first against Rocky Ford. That one was a blowout. They beat them 44 to 6, but he did go 4 of 7 for 59 passing yards, two passing touchdowns. Um, right after that, though, they would have to play Banning Lewis Academy. Now, remember this game between Peyton and Banning Lewis Academy would have decided the Santa Fe League and would have decided who got to go to the playoffs. And so in this game, did go four of 12 and you know to banning lewis's credit they're getting after them and they forced a lot of drops by the way but did throw for 98 yards and had a passing touchdown in that 24 to 13 dub over banning lewis there are many times in that game where he kind of bailed them out of a situation and kept the ball moving uh when the ball wasn't in the hands of his running backs like west hart and all those guys over there and so he did his thing the most pass attempts he had was 31 unfortunately it was against centauri did throw for 147 yards in that game but i mean it's centauri they're your state champs he so he did also throw three interceptions that's where half of his interceptions came in this uh season so just keep that in mind but there you go that is noah martin cody do you want to talk about our last finalist here before we talk about the fan votes and our votes in general yeah so you know this is another quarterback actually and this was for another playoff team and even a contender. I'm talking about Casey Midcap, who, you know, kind of took the world by storm, I would say. You know, here in September is where he got his first start on September 18th. And then, you know, I'd say that he really takes off here against Wiggins is his coming out party where he goes 9 of 13 for 120 yards and two passing scores, not to mention that he added another 58 yards on the ground. So, you know, he actually didn't start this season as a passer. You know, in his first game against Estes Park, he only ran the ball. He had four carries for 62 yards and a score. And then, you know, you see a progression through this season. I think that, you know, that's a huge testament to the faith that this coaching staff has and that, this Ray football program has in Casey Midcap and his ability to pick things up as he goes, you know, throughout the season. Like I said, first week, didn't even throw a single pass attempt. Second week against Burlington in a 34 to Zill win. You know, he throws six passes, completes 50% of them, you know, 44 yards. Solid day, solid day for a second game and a dub. And then Wiggins, who, you know, has won two of our awards, defensive playmaker and offensive playmaker of the year up until this point. He steps up and he gets a win for Ray against, you know, a, a powerhouse in Wiggins. And it was a close win and he had to play mistake-free football. And that's exactly what he did, going 9 of 13 for 120 yards and two scores. I mean, it that's what's going to separate you in these next few years from the contenders and the pretenders on the 1A level is how many mistakes do you make? And so he's shown from a very young age that he's capable of playing mistake-free football, you know. And another huge win against Holyoke. He goes 9 of 14 for 155 yards, right? So that's that's massive, right? 
He did struggle against Lyman the first time around, going 4 of 14 for 67 yards. But man, Lyman is not a team that you want to play in your first, in your fifth game of football on the high school 1A level because they've been doing it for years and they made it to the state championship. So, you know, that's that's a tough opponent to face. However, he bounces back a little bit here and helps eke out this win against a Yuma team 13 to 7 in which he actually scores both of their touchdowns throwing for one and passing for one he did throw two picks but a win's a win and especially after a week where you get absolutely just despawned by Lyman it's a tough thing to come back and flip around the next week and get a win against another playoff team and that's what he did then fast forward a little bit he has a great game against Highland going 15 of 20 for 162 yards and two scores and last but not least, you know, a lot of people may look at this Lyman game and think that it was a lot of the same. This is a game that I actually watched a stream of and watched Casey Midcap. And, you know, they lost to Lyman 8-42. However, that is not the full story of this game. This was a pretty competitive game through three quarters. And Casey Midcap, I mean, you look at the first game going 4-14. He went 18-27 of 27 for 183 yards and a touchdown in this game. And I think that's more indicative of what we're going to see. They leaned on him a lot in this game. The Ray offense couldn't get a whole lot of their rushing attack going. Lyman actually suffocated it pretty hard, not going to lie. Their front four was kind of bullying this Ray offensive line, you know, in the run and the pass. Casey didn't have a lot of time to throw, but he consistently found guys open. And this doesn't even mention that there was probably like four drops in this game that could have been first downs or maybe even potentially touchdowns depending on their catch and run ability. So, you know, he performed well, but he could have performed great against, you know, the state runner-ups as a freshman. In just one game's difference between the last time and the first time, or, you know, what I mean is from his first game against Lyman to his second game against Lyman, the improvements were exponential. And I think that the potential there for him and this Ray team is pretty high for these next, you know, three seasons that they have them. And, you know, Anthony of Mile High Prep Report actually agrees with that, having voted for Casey Midcap for his Newcomer of the Year award. And this would be a sentiment that would be shared as well by our fans. You know, over 105 votes, Casey Midcap led over Freddie Cooper at 23%, Clay Crawford at 18%, and Noah Martin at 9%. Casey got 50% of the votes of these 105 votes for him to secure the Fan Newcomer of the Year Award. So congratulations to Casey for winning the Fan Newcomer of the Year Award, as well as Anthony's Newcomer of the Year Award. And, well, I'm going to spoil it. My, my vote would technically be the deciding one if it was for Casey Midcap. And it is for Casey Midcap, who gets his third vote for me based off of just the progression that I see from his game. He had, you know, a pretty solid release on his passes against this Lyman team. He showed a lot of maturity. And like I said, I think that he performed fairly well and was dealt a pretty tough hand facing this Lyman team in the semifinals, mind you, as a freshman. So, Mason, who did you vote for Newcomer of the Year and why? Okay, so for me personally, I, uh, I'm i going to echo the, the statement my vote goes to Casey Midcap. He's a dog. He gets it done for this, you know, 
his, his squad and he gets it done on that offensive side of the ball. And there's nothing really else that I can really say other than the fact that, you know, this is, for me at least, newcomer-wise, this wasn't close. Uh, Simon, what do you think? Well, my vote technically doesn't matter at this point, but for the record, I was going to vote for Casey Midcap here. Uh, that Unanimous. Week, yeah, so the first unanimous, you could say that word, unanimous uh, <laughs> winner of any end-of-the-year award we have here, uh, Casey Midcap. You know, the reason I voted for him, that Wiggins game was real telling. He went 9 of 13, 120 passing yards, two passing touchdowns. Also had 58 rushing yards. Um, you know, that's not an easy team to beat or to do that against, and so that's big time. Also against Holyoke, uh, they have one of our MVP candidates, Miles Sprague, over there, but he did go 9 of 14 155 passing yards also had 63 rushing yards and a touchdown in that game against Holyoke and so Casey Midcap I think is definitely a quarterback on the rise you know he's going to be special here on the 1A level as he does still have three years left here um and so you know Ray they're they're a team to look out for you know Casey Midcap kind of uh, I mean, they're they're a good team in general, Ray. But, you know, Casey Midcap kind of adds another dimension to that. And so it'll be interesting to see how he develops and if he can get this Ray team into a contender spot, which, you know, isn't far. Uh, I mean, it's not it's not super far off to think about that. So. So, yeah. But there you go. Five to zero. Casey Midcap is your 2021 1A Newcomer of the Year Award winner, um, Casey Midcap, the freshman, obviously, from Ray High School. So, yeah. But coming up next, we are going to wrap this end-of-the-year award show up and talk about our most valuable playmakers, our MVPs, and uh, go ahead and award the most valuable playmaker here in Colorado. Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. This is our 2021 1A end of the year award show. Also, by the way, our very last 2021 1A content, um, well, I guess episode um, here until until we talk about the season in review, which will be uh, a bit from now. But uh, so there you go. With that being said, I'm going to go ahead and talk about one of the candidates here i don't think i really have to explain what mvp means this goes to the most valuable playmaker and whatnot the dude who made or one of the dudes who made uh the 1a level of football electrifying i think each one of these guys has a claim to that and one of those guys is yuma's quarterback clay robinson on the season had 455 passing yards three passing touchdowns no interceptions pretty chill but he was a running quarterback so he had 1,742 rushing yards and 19 rushing touchdowns. I don't think that 1,742 rushing yards led the state in uh, rushing because I'm pretty sure Reaper led by 
literally just a couple yards but it's definitely up there for a reason clay robinson was dangerous if you look at the film this dude was i mean super explosive somebody who could take it to the house at any time you know he was arguably the best athlete on this yuma team and so they decided to go ahead and put him at quarterback and he did what he had to do um throughout the entire season including in the playoffs as well but in the playoffs, Yuma would play Strasburg. That game, you know, one of one of two for 29 passing yards, but he did run for 198. Jeez, that's wild. Rushing yards and four rushing touchdowns in that playoff game against Strasburg there in the first round. Now, unfortunately, they would play Centauri in the second round. Still, though, on 34 carries, he would run for 156 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown there against Centauri. And so he's had some big games throughout the season. That is why he is in this MVP race. Now, Cody, do you want to talk about the next guy here? Do you want to talk about the next guy here on our list um, or on our MVP finalist list? Absolutely. You know, this guy, as far as most valuable playmaker goes, has a very strong case. You know, Kelton Turner of the Meeker Cowboys. Boy. Are we allowed to call the uh, the Meeker Cowboys Dem Boys? Or is that like a, a copyright thing? Are we going to get in trouble from Dallas? I don't care. Maybe if they win a playoff game, I'll care. But anyways, uh, I'm going to talk about Meeker, who did win a playoff game this year in huge part thanks to Kelton Turner. And, you know, it was against a very good Holyoke team who, you know, they have a fellow MVP here that Mason's about to talk about. But, you know, in that game against Holyoke, if there's ever a time that a player put the team on his back, it was this game for Kelton Turner. In this game, he had 21 carries for 238 yards, two scores, and on the defensive side of the ball, because you know these are this isn't offensive playmaker of the year, this isn't defensive playmaker, this is playmaker of the year. And especially on this 1A level, being able to play both ways is probably the most important thing. It's probably, you know, that's what makes 1A so different from all the other there will be guys who play both ways on 2A, 3A, 4A, 5A. But on the 1A level, I think being able to play both ways is integral in, you know, these smaller schools where you have to. And to dominate on both sides of the ball is just a great statement for any 1A player to win this award. And in that game, he had 13 total tackles on the defensive side of the ball on top of running rampant over this, you know, solid Holyoke team. So, you know, I want to put some respect on that. And, you know, those 238 yards were just a fraction of his 1,768 total yards on the season. And those two touchdowns were only about a 12th of his total touchdowns with 23 rushing touchdowns on the season. And, yeah, you know, th those are some of his big stats on the offensive side of the ball. He's not really receiving that. He's a power back and he's a hard hitting defender as well as evidenced by his 105 tackles on the year with, you know, there's six games where he breaks double digits. So he was one of the state's, you know, leading rushers, maybe even the leading rusher in 1A. If uh, I forget what Leaper's total was, but he's right there with Leaper. 
He's one of the leading tacklers in the state as well with over 100 tackles. So, you know, he's hard-nosed. And just because he doesn't catch passes out of the backfield doesn't mean that he can't catch on the season. And in this Holyoke game, once again, he had two interceptions for 125 return yards, which is just nuts. And take and he took one of those interceptions to the house. So in that game, he was literally carrying Meeker and they only won this game by a touchdown. So every score counts, including all of Kelton Turner's scores. So, you know, huge shout out to him and what he did for this Meeker team. And on the year, you know, he had those two interceptions against Holyoke. He had another two interceptions over the rest of the season, including a pick six against center in a huge win. And yeah, he was just a force of nature down there in Meeker. But Mason, why don't you talk about, you know, a guy that we've briefly mentioned in Opoi and briefly mentioned in Depoy. And now we're going to bring up an MVP because he really is the do-it-all guy on the 1A level. Yeah, no, definitely I will. But I do want to say for Kelton Turner, I did the math. He is 22 yards behind Jeremiah Leeper, just so you know, on uh, rushing. Um, but I am going to go ahead and talk about the athlete from Holyoke High School, Miles Sprague, who he had a very remarkable season. 529 rushing yards and eight rushing touchdowns, 19 receptions for 278 receiving yards and five receiving touchdowns. Then on the defensive side of the ball, he had 75 total tackles, two tackles for loss, three sacks, two INTs, seven pass deflections, and four forced fumbles. And if that wasn't enough, he goes ahead and on, you know, uh, special teams gets two blocked kicks this guy gets it done for this you know Holyoke squad and he is probably athlete is the way to say it you definitely can't put a position on him so I definitely like seeing you know the fact that he has all three levels that's definitely what makes an MVP candidate and you know I it, it makes it real tough to decide um, Simon, do you want to go ahead and talk about our next guy here? Yeah. Also, by the way, Miles Sprague, our number three ranked inside linebacker in the state of Colorado for the class of 2022. So just keep that in mind. But the last and guy I want to. He has an interview that you need to go listen to. He does from before the season. So just keep that in mind. But yeah, so check that out if you haven't yet. But the last guy I want to talk about here, last but definitely not least, is Centauri senior running back Mason Quanch. Before the season, we knew he was going to be one of those dudes who would be in this running for either MVP or Opoi. Um, but, you know, here he is in the MVP race. On the year, he had 968 rushing yards, 16 rushing touchdowns on offense. On defense, he contributed a lot as well. Had 112 total tackles, 23 tackles for losses, one and a half sacks, two interceptions, one forced fumble, two fumble recoveries. Also had a punt return, uh, a punt returned for a touchdown and a kick returned for a touchdown. And so there you go. That's Mason Quanch from Centauri. Obviously, he was a big part of their run to state and winning state for, I believe, the first time in school history. Is that right, Cody or Mason? I want to Allegedly. 
I haven't been around since the beginning of Centauri, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Okay, well, um, yeah, that's what that's what Chassa said. So there you go there. Uh, so he was a big part of that first championship squad. And, you know, even in that championship game, he did have that big rushing touchdown in the first half. That would kind of, uh, you know, help Centauri get on the board. And then he would make a lot of plays in that game down the line, specifically a key third down play where Jeremiah Leeper, one of our Opoi candidates, did break to the outside had him in 101 or sorry that was baron holman i am tripping but there was another time where that happened where um it was leaper versus clonch 101 and clonch would get him every now and then they would go back and also have a major big sack on one of the final drives for lyman well, you said it. He did have a sack in that final drive for Lyman as they were driving in um, the final seconds of that game to potentially win it. So there you go. There did a lot on defense, you know, from helping kind of contain Leaper and Shoebarth, by the way, because Gabe Shoebarth really didn't do anything um, in that game. I'm just going to be completely honest with you. And part of the reason was because Mason Quanch and his squad was there. You know, they're there for a lot of it, and you just can't take that out of consideration. And so with that being said, do y'all mind if I go ahead and talk about where Anthony Garcia or who Anthony Garcia voted for for MVP? You mean for most valuable playmaker? Absolutely. Go for it. Yes. So for MVP, he voted for Centauri's Mason Quanch. I think that should be easy. I mean, he was probably the MVP of that game as well. So nothing too crazy there. And and you know what? I'm actually going to go ahead and talk about who won the popular vote here as well. There were 132 votes. This was probably the closest um this was yeah it was the closest uh poll out of the four that we put up at least so far right now and so with that being said mason clonch did win the popular vote with 33 percent, which is pretty crazy because it was definitely close um just gonna go ahead and say miles sprague he had 25 percent, and then kelton turner and clay robinson tied at 21 percent and so that's out of 132 votes so there you go there now mason or cody do y'all want to go ahead and talk about who you voted for for most valuable playmaker on the well i'm still deciding on who to vote okay so (laughs) we're gonna go ahead and go to mason because said he's gonna change his mind um yeah mason go ahead yeah, okay, gonna I'm going to go ahead and uh, pick my guy. Um, I'm sorry, Cody, but your vote is outvoted because I'm picking Mason Clanch. Your namesake. Um, uh, I guess so. But, uh, yeah, no, I think he just got it done. And watching him in person blew my mind when he had that insanely long run. He's so fast, gets it done. He's a hard hitter. You know, he can almost play at the next level on either running back or as a linebacker. So, you know, he is the most valuable player. So, or, there we go. So, Cody? Cody, have you decided? 
Okay, I will go next. So I'm going to go through my thought process here real quick here. Um, first off, I'm voting for Mason Quanch. I think it's really hard to not give it to the guy who did it all, not only in that state championship game, but he's the reason they got there, to be honest with you. Um, he really turned up all season, and so... <coughs> Sorry, he really turned up all season on offense and defense. And so I feel like I kind of just have to give it to him here because he, he earned it, you know. But I was thinking about some other guys. Um, I want to shout out Miles Sprague here because he did it all. If you look at his stats between rushing, receiving, defense, like the dude was a stud. You know, it was just a shame because I kind of felt like Holyo could maybe go a little bit deeper in the playoffs. They did it. That obviously affected who I was going to vote for there. So um, right now it's four or wait. Yeah, it's four O Mason Quanch. I'm pretty sure. So Cody, uh, you could go ahead and say who your vote is. Um, yeah, you got I it. I am going to make playmaker of the year on the 1A level for the 21 season unanimous by putting forward my vote for Mason Quanch. Now, before I elaborate why, I'm also going to take time to just put some respect on Kelton Turner's name. He balled out this year and was the reason that this team was good. He had over 50% of this team's offensive yards, including their quarterback who throws the ball. Nobody, I don't think anybody else did that this year, uh, having over 50% of their team's total offensive yards. That is, that's nuts. And not to mention you is their second leading tackler. Not to mention that as far as total scrimmage yards, including just his interception returns, because he doesn't, like, return kicks, you know? Well, yeah, he doesn't return kicks, really. He returned, like, two of them this year. He had 47% of the team's total yards, including other people getting interceptions and kick returners and punt returners. So, damn. Kelton Turner is a baller, and he needs a shot on the next level. I don't care. I don't care, really. Because I really think that... You know, this Kelton Turner uh, tough kind of meager team, I think that, you know, they they have potentially a different result than than some other teams with depending on the matchups that they get. And I mean, he beat the snot out of a North Fork team that was incredible, you know, on the defensive side of the ball and just sunned them and helped this meager team go six and zero on the Western Slope League, which is which is a tough league on the one level. But anyways. Kelton Turner, I'm sorry. I was I was so close to voting for you, but there's just something about the multi-dimensionality. I don't know if that's a real word, but now it is. I'm gonna say it. Um, of Mason Clonch, not only on the offensive side of the ball, being a great running back. I don't even know if these stats are updated, by the way, um, for this, you know, Centauri school. I, I think that he might even have more than the listed stats that were listed. Because I think that those stats are only through the regular season. Yeah, I'm actually correct. So they don't even include playoffs, which is where he did a lot of his damage. You know, like Simon and Mason said, we were all there for that 1A state championship game. And he was dynamic in that game. And I think that, you know, he's just a great ball player offensively. Defensively, you know, 23 tackles for loss goes crazy. And, you know, as well as his special teams capability... I think that, you know, he's a guy who could make a lot of noise on the next level as, you know, just an athlete in general. And, you know, he has a pretty solid frame as well. I'm almost turning it into a breakdown 
But really, that's what it came down to when I was going back and forth between these two guys is just thinking about what they could do on the next level and what they have done on this level. And Mason Clonch is a dynasty killer. I mean, Lyman would have won four years in a row had it not been for tricky, pesky Mason Clonch, you know, uh, gashing him for big runs every now and again and, you know, finding ways to make big plays on these experienced you know, high usage lineman players. So, you know, I'm going to put a lot of respect on his name. He gets my playmaker of the year vote. And Simon, you should remember from our 1A, you know, preview, how high I was on this Centauri team because of Mason Clunch. And so I'm going to follow through with what I was talking about at the beginning of the year. I'm going to carry it through and be consistent here to the end of the year. And I'm going to make it a unanimous playmaker of the year for Mason Clunch, the state champion and leader of the Centauri Falcons. All right. Um, also, Mason Quatch, his stats are in for the playoffs because I see his Lyman, Buena Vista, and Yuma games. I'm sure. I don't know. I mean, they can't be updated now. So there you go. Those are the stats he had. Obviously still MVP worthy regardless. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so There's there just you- some regular season games. Yeah, um, but he, they could have rested him still, though. So there you go there. So just to recap, our 2021 1-8 MVP Most Valuable Playmaker Award goes to Mason Quanch. Our 2021 uh, 1-8 Newcomer of the Year Award goes to Ray's freshman quarterback, obviously, Casey Midcap. Our Defensive Playmaker of the Year Award goes to uh, Wiggins defensive tackle slash linebacker pepper rusher and then our 2021 1a offensive playmaker of the year goes to wiggins quarterback cole kerr so there you go there um really interesting i would ask y'all what y'all think yeah no first off congrats to everyone here um but i was gonna say i i would ask y'all what y'all thought about this but you know what let's just go ahead and save this for our end of the year uh recap or well it wouldn't be a well yeah it would be a recap season in review which will probably come in the end of january uh there so so yeah so be on the lookout for that well that's gonna be an episode where we just talk about 1a and uh you know the people who won this award probably a little bit more in depth but for now that will be it mason cody is there anything else you want to add on nope (laughs) uh i just want to say thank you to all these players and you know all the players that we had in consideration this list these lists started off a lot bigger than four um you know there there's some ballers on 1a football and you know i think all of these guys are you know aspiring to reach higher than than these high school football ceilings that are kind of placed on them being 1a guys and reach the heights of one of our best supporters of this episode you know and these polls and dalton reisner being a 1a guy who went college and he's playing pro football right now so 1a football players you got to believe in yourself and you could be like these guys as well as like dalton reisner you just got to put in the work and put in the hours it's about drive it's about power so you know huge shout out to all these players and uh thank you all for voting on the polls continue voting on them for two through five a Simon, I'll let you uh, do the rest of the outro. 
<laughs> okay. All right, for sure. So, um, yeah, first off, thanks again, 1A, for voting. Well, thanks, everyone, for voting on these polls and whatnot. We really appreciate that. Also, to the 1A level, one more time, and the 1A communities out there, thank you so much for supporting this podcast. We're going to continue to talk about 1A football, not not just you know next year and next season, but we are going to do in-depth film breakdowns of probably all of these players at some point, so be on the lookout for that. To receive that news, though, go ahead and uh, follow us on social media. That is at the Playmakers Corner on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube as well. I'm just going to throw this out there uh, just so you all know. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We almost always release uh, four YouTube videos or YouTube videos slash TikToks, I mean, whatever you want, um, about these end-of-the-year finalists, and we'll do that for each level. And so if you want to see highlights and stuff from each of these players, know what their stats are, we put them all in one video. Usually we post them on TikTok throughout the week, but they are all usually posted at the same time on YouTube right when the polls open. So go ahead and Go ahead and subscribe to the Playmakers Corner on YouTube there. Um, if you're listening to us on a major streaming platform, which I assume you are, but if you are, go ahead and give us some love. Give us a good rating. Uh, leave a good review. Make sure you type those out. Is that for Apple Podcasts or Spotify? I think it's Apple. That's an Apple Podcast thing. Okay, well, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, which stats say most of y'all are go ahead and leave us a good review and uh rate us and do all that great stuff you can also leave us voice messages on um anchor as i found out like three weeks ago yes or really anything to be honest with you um but you know keep the dms clean that being said i have been one of your co-hosts simon villanos aka coach v i have always been one of your co-hosts cody stoffer and I am your last co-host, Mason Austin. Goodbye. Peace, PMC.